The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative Moon Knight, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, PoppyChulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, April 21st, 2022, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's Moon Knight. Please welcome my co-hosts, Vinny Hatcher. Why do you have to be like every other man and be so condescending when you say that? Hi, guys. <laughs> and Priscilla Rocha. Oh, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. <laughs> oh. All right, Santa, if you can hear us, <laughs> let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 4, which was titled The Tomb and debuted April 20th, 2022 via Disney+. Plus. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Mark and Steven must find balance as supernatural threats ahead look to stop them. So, we have much to discuss this episode. I just want to say this, because I feel like I haven't said this in a moment. Shout out to the Moon Knight theme which I am absolutely, positively in love with. I, I love it at the end of the episode. I love it throughout the episode. I love the instrumental. I love the sort of chorus singing it. I, I just, I, I love it. Um, yeah, it, it's spectacular. I, I might have to find it as a ringtone. It's just good. Um, the the artist, I hope I'm not butchering your name, uh, or the composer, I should say, is Hesham Nazi. And uh, yeah, just fantastic. I am loving the Moon Knight theme song. So this was my little praise for the Moon Knight theme song, because it is the theme, I should say. It's fantastic. All right, let's get into this episode. And we're going to start with Mark and Steven. Because we get more of the Mark and Steven dynamic at the start of the episode. So, Steven's in charge. Steven does not want Mark to come out. Mark is talking through Steven through, you know, the reflective imagery. Can I just say, and I understand why they're still doing it. I explained last week as Vinny was like, ugh. I am sick of this. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I understand it. And it makes sense because, you know, they're they're just dealing with it right now. The wall broke down. They can communicate. Uh, Steven didn't know about Mark until just a couple episodes ago. But Steven's attitude towards Mark in the very beginning for those first couple of scenes really pissed me off. It, it just did. 
you know, I, I don't, I like for me, it got to me. Like I was a little Vinny at, during those first couple scenes where what, Mark what? and Steven were chatting, even though in the back of my mind, I still understand why they did it. And I think without talking about the end, because we will talk about the end much later on, I think we still needed that so that what happens at the end and what I think they're going, or I should say where I think they're going with that, I, I think it's going to be satisfying uh, what's going to end up happening. But I was a little annoyed with them. So, Vinny, I'll start off with you. What'd you think of Mark and Steven, or I should say Steven and Mark, at the start of the episode? Well, first off, I just have to say that I feel vindicated. Um, uh, <laughs> Jenna <to> Pace <laughs> would be very proud. <laughs> she would be very proud. You know, yeah, I mean, you kind of already touched on it, like the attitude and just the, yeah, I, I, I'm i I'm still not happy with the Mark and the Steven of it all. Like, I, I feel like since we're dealing with condensed episodes and we've had so many instances where obviously a conversation is implied to have happened or at least some kind of character development and understanding has been implied to happen with Layla coming to terms with like the Mark and Steven battle and like all of that. I feel like we deserve to have a little bit of advancement with the, these two as well. And the toddler tantrums about not wanting to give up the body or not trusting the other person. It's like, here's the deal, dude. It's one body. You got two personalities. You got a crisis. You got more important things to worry about than letting someone else take over the body, especially when you're looking at the logistics. It's like, all right. So what is the likelihood that if I let Mark take over, I'm going to survive versus if I stay in control? And when you look at that ratio at the end of the day, you need to look at your well-being and let go and deal with the rest of it later. And that's where my mind is kind of going is like you've had multiple experiences now where the shit is hitting the fan and you guys are sitting there fighting over a toy, (laughs) you know. So, yeah, I I definitely agree with you. I'm I'm still kind of over the battle. I I think we need to move on because we're now at the middle point. And we only have two episodes left and this just needs to stop and they need to, I want to see them united. I would like to see what happens when they are working in tandem without underlying currents of anger and mistrust. And we probably won't get there fully this season, but I think we need to get somewhere because like I said, two episodes left and I'd rather not see it happen very fast. I'd like to see a little bit of pacing with it. I agree with you for the most part, but I do think we will see that before the end of okay. the season. And I'll explain once we get to the very final sequence of the episode, because I think that's that's going to be a turning point, Touché. I think. Yes. So let's rewind a little bit. We start off the episode by seeing the, um, what do we call them? Oh, yes, Avatar. The Avatar of Osiris delivering into this collection room the ushapti of uh, Khonshu and we see that Khonshu is not alone the Ennead seems to just enjoy uh, stonifying gods uh, uh, right? Pris- yes Priscilla what do you think of that sequence what did you think when you saw the collection I mean it's almost like my current Funko Pop collection what you think of that collection of gods and uh, are you at all curious about what it would be like 
if all those gods were freed by the end of the season. Okay, now I have to be a negative Nancy here and say I was totally not impressed by this like opening sequence the way I have been with the other opening sequences that have happened uh... in the other episodes. I was like, this is information we already know. If the Ennead is so small in number and it's not nine the way it's supposed to be, it's because these gods are entombed. And they already enjoyed entombing one god. What made me think that there were they didn't entomb all the others? So this this is I'm like this is not brand new information. This is nothing to me. This is just exposition. This is boring. You're you're taking up valuable time that could be spent elsewhere. All right, Priscilla did not enjoy those thirty seconds. But what about my question at the end? Do you think potentially all of these gods could be freed by the end of the season? Hmm. I think when he's going, when Mark is going to pick up Kanshu, he's going to, I don't know if, if to free them, you have to break them or something, but like, I think like something's going to happen where these statues break and like a ton of like spirits come out and like just go random separate ways. And that's what's going to happen. All right. Like Ariana Grande, they're going to break free. Yeah, nice. All right. Cool, cool. I don't know if either of you have anything to say in regards to the actual opening of the episode where we see Layla, you know, trying to do her best to um, rescue a knocked out Stephen um, after, you know, Khonshu got imprisoned and that sort of thing. Uh, any thoughts on that sequence? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was a waste of time. <laughs> so this is my time to say something was a waste of time because we've seen Layla fight. We've seen Layla take care of herself. We have seen demonstrations that she is proficient in combat, especially because this was highlighted in the last episode. And I will come from the same camp as Priscilla in this regard. I think that we need to economize our time. And I would have been totally fine with there being a little bit of a flash forward and not having to see her doing combat again and them already being somewhere else, be it the tomb or where else. I don't feel like this section really did much to advance the plot. Granted, don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed the combat and the way that they did it, just like I, I enjoyed the combat last week. But again, it's a little tired. And with only six episodes, I think that they could have spent the time a little bit better in that section. Okay. I'll be honest. I'm actually not going to disagree with you on that. Uh, yeah, that sequence could have been completely removed, and they could have added on to either the very end or some of the other sort of spookier moments of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if we necessarily needed to see how Layla saved Mark. We could have just been in the car with her, and then he comes to, and she fills him in on you know, where they're going or something like that. Um, yeah. yeah. But I will say it was nice to see Layla get her moments. I mean, there were a couple of moments where Layla was a badass um, this episode. So, uh, you know, another moment of badassery for Layla, you know, at the end of the day isn't bad. But as far as time management-wise, uh, maybe we could have spent it doing some other stuff. Uh, speaking of doing some other stuff, let's talk about Layla and Steven in this episode. You know, we had moments... Exactly. We had moments where Leia was like, you smell like him. 
which I'm like, come on, girl. And then I, what does he smell like right now? Of sweat? But anywho, because <laughs> I don't feel like any of them are smelling. <laughs> you you know. smell like sweat and death. It turns me on. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's that whole science thing where like the pheromones, the sweat of the, yeah, the sweat of the person that you like smells yeah. good to you. Well, there you go. I will be the first to say that is not true in my case. I do not like the smell of sweat on anybody. Okay. Well, there you go. Life Lessons with Vinnie Hatcher coming soon to PapaChulaRadio.com. Uh, but <laughs> going back to <laughs> Layla and Steven. So there's there's the chemistry. There's a moment of intimacy where it looked like she was ready to kiss him. But then he blurts out the truth, which is the secret that Mark was keeping from Layla, that Conchu wants Layla as his next avatar. And that's why Mark has been pushing her away. But even after that, because it seemed as if he said it, you know, almost like in a, in a bit of nervousness to like maybe not kiss her because there was the whole threat from Mark about uh, not kissing Layla. But then he ends up kissing her. Can I just say in a very awkward way? But Stephen Grant is a very awkward person. So it, I think it's supposed to be an awkward kiss. And then Stephen gets punched by Mark and tossed down into the um, abyss where they were going, which I thought was kind of spectacular, in my opinion, because that was Mark, you know, letting Stephen know who's who's the man <laughs> in that situation. But let's talk about this. Layla, Stephen. Layla is falling for Stephen? Sort of? Question mark. Question mark? <laughs> Many question that, marks. That. Yeah, what do we think of this? I'll start off with you, Priscilla, because you did mention that you don't really see them with, like, sparks and that sort of thing. But do you see sparks between Layla and Steven? Let me rephrase that. You didn't see sparks between Mark and Layla. Do you see sparks with uh, Layla and Steven? I appreciated when she called him honesty. I thought that was really cute. But that kiss, that kiss was awful, man. It has to go down as, like, one of Marvel's worst kisses. Like, there was no chemistry there between them. What the fuck? Was that the actors, or was that supposed to be, like, acted that way? Well, I think the kiss was supposed to be bad because it was coming from Steven. And I don't feel like Steven has ever kissed anybody. Period. All right. All right. That that makes sense now. Okay. Because I was like, damn. This kiss is awful. It was a bad kiss. I agree. Let's talk about Layla's father. So at the start of the episode, Layla tells Stephen about her dad. He was an archaeologist. He was murdered by mercenaries. And this is the episode in which Layla finds out the truth. Yes, we're going to jump ahead to her conversation with Harrow. And uh, Harrow basically tells her everything. Everything that he knows. Because when he did the whole scales thing with his cane, with uh, Stephen, he saw everything from Stephen and even Mark's POV, you know, as judgment was befalling on Mark slash Stephen. And so he tells her that Mark was there the night her father died, 
And uh, he didn't say that Mark did it, but that he was a part of the mercenary party that was involved in his death. She ends up confronting Stephen about it. Mark pops out, and he fills in the gaps, basically saying that his mercenary partner got greedy and ended up murdering her father and actually ended up almost murdering him. So we can assume that, as we assumed before, that that night was the night that Khonshu selected him to be his avatar, selected him and saved him so that he could be Khonshu's avatar. We also find out that the reason why Mark met Layla was because he was actually going to go and, I guess, tell her about what happened. But his cowardice stopped him, and, uh, you know, I guess a love affair ended up happening or some shit. I don't know. So all of this information came out in this episode. It was, uh, I would say, pretty important. Uh, Vinny, what would you think of how everything came out? Uh, You know, did you enjoy Harrow? You know, sort of almost gleefully, as gleefully as he can be, you know, in this very, you know, serious cult leader voice. But what'd you yes. think of how, um, you know, excited he was to tell Layla the truth? I love Layla's line. I don't know if you did as well, where she was like, no, he hasn't told me, but clearly you're dying to tell me. Paraphrasing. Yeah. But yes, what'd you think of the truth? Well, first, because, you know, this doesn't happen very often in our podcasting, but I was right! Complete with celebratory noise. Um, oh, Because I was go. very happy. Yeah! He didn't kill her father. <laughs> we had talked about that, and I, I rarely get my, my hypotheses or my theories to come right, and I was very happy because I didn't want Mark to have been the one that killed her father, and... When it actually played out the same way that I predicted, that he was just kind of there and didn't really directly involve himself, but he was guilty by proxy. Like, that was how I wanted it to play out, so I was very happy. But it, I actually enjoyed this segment because they couldn't leave this dangling. This was a plot thread that was dropped to us an episode or two ago when Layla first kind of came in, and it was clear that this was going to be a hinge upon which the relationship between the three of them was going to turn one way or another. And in this regard, I feel like what we're going to find is she's going to have a lot of problems with Mark. And this is going to up the ante of Steven being the one that she is comfortable with. And she's already clearly developing feelings with and Mark not telling her is a huge betrayal. And while yes, it justifies his not letting her in. It's still any, anyone who's ever done that in a relationship, it's not the way to do it. And it's going to really cause problems for them, I think. Uh, but as far as the execution of it, I, I think it was really well done. Harrow definitely was kind of like your typical villain. Like, I know something you don't know. Do you want to know? I don't care. I'm going to tell you anyway. Here's what it is. And it, it was kind of gleeful in his own way. And her reaction to it, I think my favorite part about it was when she looked at him and she was like, can he hear me? I'm talking to you. I will give the actress props because she wasn't wooden. Yay! <laughs> like, actually, like, she let go in this episode. And maybe they were making the character 
come across the way that she was in previous episodes. But I feel like this was a turning point for the character of Layla. She got character development. She got more plot. And she, the, the actress actually showed emotion. And I thought it was really well done. And I was totally here for it. That little tear that came down when she was hearing the story. Yes. Was chef's kiss. It was like dramatic gold. I loved that. Mm-hmm. All right, Priscilla, come on into the conversation. Since this was a big moment, I want to get your take on it as well. What would you think of the truth being revealed, how it was revealed, and the confrontation afterwards? Man, the truth revealed was so brutal. Like, he pickaxed, like, in tiny little pieces at her being like, are you sure you don't want to know about your dad? And then, then she, she peeks her head out from the side and she's like, what do you know about my dad? And then he slowly gives the breadcrumbs away, giving you giving a bigger and bigger piece until she finally chokes on the last piece. And it's just kind of like, what? What am I supposed to do with this information? Like, I felt bad for her. Like, Jesus. Because like, you just found out that the man you love the the thing that you hate most about him is he's not honest and he hasn't been honest with you about the one like thing that's the defining character of you what made you become an egyptologist where like you or an, or an archaeologist i should say where you look for stolen treasure to take it back for your people like everything that makes her her and everything that makes him untrustworthy melded into one issue it's ah it's so it's so it's the pathos behind this is so great i love it i loved this scene so much yeah i i did as well i thought the reveal needed to happen and i'm glad it happened now because we still have two episodes left so we'll have ramifications and all that kind of stuff from this uh, rippling, hopefully, throughout the next two episodes. But it was well done. I'm glad, actually, Vinny, that you were right. Part of me was like, you know, maybe it might be a little interesting if Mark had been the one to do it. But uh, this is probably the most appropriate decision um, because it does set up who the uh, mercenary partner is. Uh, and, and, and if it's the person from the comics then uh, that will be an interesting mm, yep. way to introduce this character later on at some point. All right, Definitely. all right. So let's rewind, and let's get a little spooky. Hekka Priest. Let's talk about this, because the Resident MCU... Evil, more like it. I know, right? <laughs> yes. The MCU has slowly... And I do mean slowly been dipping their toes into the realm of horror. From what I've read, this isn't spoilers or anything, but uh, from what I've read about the new Doctor Strange movie, one of the, um, you know, sort of like the the big in bold letters asterisk-filled things that, or directives that was done for that movie was up the horror ante. So it looks like the MCU really is wanting to embrace supernatural and horror. And we got that 
with this episode. As uh, as uh, Priscilla just said, Resident Evil, um, you know, uh, uh, The Mummy, Indiana Jones, uh, yeah, uh, Silent Hill. <laughs> I mean, we got all of that in this sequence. So we see Stephen and Layla figuring out where you know, Harrow needs to go, you know, where they're going to find the Ushapti for Amit. And uh, as, you know, they trek through this maze that's shaped in the eye, as is shaped, uh, has the shape of the Eye of Horus, they come into a room that's got blood, guts, meat chunks, and all that kind of stuff. We've heard, you know, as they sort of been making their trek, these little click noises. Uh, there are, like, bullet shells on the ground. And they're both like, what the hell have they been fighting? And we see it's a Hekka priest that was, that, that's been there in that tomb. Because we've, they, or I should say, not we, because we're not there with them. They have surmised that the final avatar for Amit was a pharaoh. And then we meet one of the Heka priests. Priscilla, talk to me about this whole sequence. When we first meet the priest, talk to me about Layla fighting the Heka priest and the fantastic horror, you know, pull, run to the camera and get pulled back and then run to the camera and then get pulled back. I mean, talk to me about it all. Dude, from the very beginning, where she, where, where Steven's like, hide, and she hides, and you see that the Hecka Priest comes, and you're like, oh, shit. I hope that this guy is, like, blind or something, or can't see that clearly, because she is right there next to him. And apparently, like, he's harvesting organs from this, from the police officer that we saw earlier, and we we don't really care about him, so he can die. But, um, like... The and the organ coptic jar is like right next to her. Oh god, like I was, I was, my 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 skin just crawls just thinking about it. I was like, oh my god, this this bitch is gonna die. She needs to (laughs) clearly, she needs to do something, but she needs to get the fuck out of there. And when she finally gets a chance to get out of there, and then Steven fucks it up. Oh god, I felt so bad. For Steven, but I was like, but at least he, he's he got an exit plan. He knows he can leave. But when he's like, I'll meet you later, I'm like, how? Is there a Where? roundabout way? Does, does, does this tomb somehow, like, do both sides emerge in the same place? How the hell did you know you were going to do that? How do you know you were not going in separate directions? I squished it. Exactly. <laughs> I was just... That that was one thing that that was like plot hole, but I fucking loved her cliff to the edge, like kind of like grabbing onto it to survive, and then being grabbed from the back and being pulled in. Oh God, I that part I was lightening my screen so many times to see like, is she coming out? Am I am I supposed to see something but it's but it's too dark on my computer to see it all? What's going on here? And then when she runs to the edge of the cliff and the mummy just kinda like whoo, 
cool down. I was like, oh, this is this this is okay. All right, my people have survived. I feel good. I actually care about Layla enough that I that 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 this is impacting me in some way. And I didn't know that the scene the the hero scene was going to come right afterwards. So that this this is just an aces episode for Layla. She she got mm-hmm. to be the cave explorer that everyone wants like to be when you play like Laura Croft Tomb Raider or something like that. Layla Croft. Yes, there you go. Vinny, let's talk about this. Moon Knight mm-hmm. turns into American Horror Story. What'd you think of it? What'd you think of uh, the design of the Hecka Priest? What'd you think of the fact that she ended up somehow ripping off a part of its arm and he was still going like, I'm a bone you with this bitch. Like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> like, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Well, you know me. I live in the deep, dark, scary, oubliette recesses of horror, and I rejoice anytime we get spooky and spectacular, and I am beyond thrilled that Marvel is really ripping off the Band-Aid and diving into some spookier areas. It's definitely long overdue because there's such a whole subgenre within the Marvel Universe and comics where horror is prevalent and alive and there's magic and fantasy. So I'm really excited that they're they're not afraid to venture into these sub areas. And this was executed so well. There was not an element of cheese. This actually brought me back to the first episode and how much we talked about how visually stimulating and enhanced it was. It really the immersion was never broken by cheesy CGI and all of that like this was another instance of that it was really well done and the the atmosphere the lighting and the hecka priests were just they were fucking creepy yo and i loved it they it, it it reminded me a lot of raiders of the lost ark i got a lot of indiana jones out of the scenes in the tomb and it was just so much of an experience that I, I look forward to going back and watching it again. Cause unfortunately I watched the episode right before we cast it tonight due to my time constraints with work, but I plan on rewatching it because I know that there were some things that I missed, but there was a really great attention to detail. Like you talked about the Coptic jars, Priscilla and the sarcophagi and they, they set up such a phenomenal scene that you really felt like, is this the descent part three, but it's in Egypt. Like these no, guys reminded the me. like i loved those movies because the creatures in the descent they creeped the hell out of me and i mentioned that movie because that's what the hecka priest kind of reminded me of is these like slimy creepy decomposing creatures that just want to eat you with an element of zombieism i'm like exponentially increasing the horror i loved it and I want more. I really do. I hope that we get more undead priests and we get more blood and guts because they they can do it well and it's not cheesy. And I'm I'm really hoping that we get to see uh, Annette in all of her disgustingly creepy horror glory. I know, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, based off of what we saw later on, just the CGI, I think is going to be very interesting. So I will mm-hmm. be here for that. And I feel like we will have to see that before the series wraps up. But yeah, for me, it was fantastic. I love the design of the Hecka Priest. Uh, we didn't really see much of this creature until um, it gets flared. But, uh, I mean, it was just fantastic. I loved it. The blood, the guts, and the gore. 
we didn't get a lot a lot i mean this wasn't like a hard r type of situation but it was enough so that we knew exactly what was going on and it just upped the creep factor in a fantastic way so moving right along steven does end up finding the tomb of the pharaoh that was Amit's last avatar. It's the tomb for Alexander the Great. And uh, he ends up retrieving Amit's Ushapti from inside the um, mummified remains of Alexander the Great. This is when Layla confronts Mark about the truth. But before they can really sort of uh, come together after the confrontation, Harrow and his men arrive. Layla hides, and Harrow point blank shoots Stephen Mark. Bang, bang. And Stephen Mark falls into the shallow water that's not really as shallow and just sinks down. And listeners, that was the end of Moon Knight. You know, that was the final episode and uh, it's a tragic story of the death of uh, Mark Spector slash Stephen Grant. So before we move on, up to this point, were y'all like, whoa, when Stephen slash Mark gets shot? Just initial reaction to that moment. I was expecting the white suit to come out. Oh, so so, yeah, this was. I was. I was just waiting for the aha, like the the moment where they marvel out and something super super heroic happens that twists the situation around for us. But it never happened. So I appreciate that a lot more. This is this is a shock to me. Yeah, I was shocked, too. Apparently, Vinny was not. Well, him getting shot, I was not surprised about. The And okay. him kind of undergoing some sort of a death, I was not shocked about. Because Mark is your... I don't want to say cliche, because that's about... I don't, it's not cliche. Mark is your typical anti-hero. He is someone who is brooding and dark, but underneath of it all, there is a undercurrent of care and love and I almost a generosity, but the generosity is not the right word that I'm looking for. But there is a person under there who is genuine and sincere, but he's obviously been through a very hard time in life. And so from the very beginning, Mark was presented in such a way that his life has been fucked over and over again, and he is running from a lot of pain and a lot of horror in his past. And I personally have kind of felt Mark was on some kind of a trajectory for a tragic experience of some kind. And with Steven and the whole romance developing with Layla, what I thought was potentially going to happen was when he got shot, Mark was going to go into the recesses of the psyche and have like a mental death. And just like Khonshu being locked away, I thought that Mark would be quote unquote dead inside the psyche and Stephen would have the freedom that he so wanted. Obviously, that did not happen, and it's gone a completely different, like Legion-esque type of way. Oh, but that's yes. that's why we'll I was talking about that. Yes, 
that's why I wasn't surprised because I feel like it was very, very heavily foreshadowed that there was going to be some kind of a mental death for Mark. Okay, interesting. I like that analysis. Well, I was shocked the fuck. I I was like, whoa, he got shot. Not once, but twice. Yeah, just to make sure he did it the right way. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, clearly in the real world, and I'm using that in air quotes, you know, he fell back into probably shallow water. So uh, we all, I think, can properly assume that Harrow now has the Ushapti. Yes? Yeah. Okay. Right, Priscilla? Yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page. So what we saw, though, was Mark Stephen sink. And sink, 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 sink with a, ooh, the music that I like. And uh, he sinks deep, deep, deep all the way down. There is a white light. And then it turns into a cheesy, low-budget, Indiana Jonesy type of film. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, I immediately was like, okay, that's Stephen Grant. And I was like, we're going to find out how... Mark, maybe as a kid, was a fan of this show or this movie, and that's how the name Stephen Grant and that ridiculous accent sort of became imprinted into him. I was like, we're going to pan out, and it's going to be a young Mark watching this. And I was wrong. We did pan out, but we're in an institution where a lot of our people are there. We see Crawley yelling bingo numbers. We've got Donna with a scarab plush. We have some of Harrow's people as the orderlies in this institution. There was so much symbolism in this section. It was fantastic. Like, what the Legion is going on? Like, it was just amazing. And I think the thing that was most amazing about the sequence is they did a fake out, but they didn't really try to do a full on fake out. You know, they could have done this sequence without some of the hints that everything we had seen was real. I mean, they could have done this sequence to really have us question whether what we had seen previously to the sequence had been real or not, had it all been in Mark's head, I think pretty much almost instantly, you know, maybe for like a moment there, we could have gotten a little faked out, but we kind of got reassurance that everything had actually happened, and we're in just some weird, trippy space at the moment. Harrow is there as sort of like the head shrink, and uh, he's talking to Mark, you know, and, and there's this whole thing where Steven isn't real. Mark is kind of realizing, remembering what's happened. And uh, he ends up escaping. He ends up finding Steven in a tomb. He s- sets him free. And they're both shocked to see each other. As they try to escape, there's another tomb that's knocking. But they don't open it. We all know who's in there. And then we run into Tawaret in all her glory as they all sort of scream at each other. 
And then that's the end of the episode. Now, can I just say, I don't know how, like, in regards to my co-hosts or, or I don't know if, um, I don't know if my co-hosts or if the listeners really paid attention to the closing credits. You know, there's always symbolism in the closing credits. And there are a couple of moments that I noticed this time around as I was watching it, you know, because I was listening to the music that I love. And there, there was foreshadowing of this white psych ward in the end credits. And I was like, that was brilliant. Because that's been there since the first episode. Mm-hmm. And we had no idea that we were being teased with what's to come. So... This was a very Legion moment. For those out there that haven't seen it, Marvel's Legion. It's a fantastic show. It's not for everyone because it's a little weird. But this was a very Legion-y moment. I think it's almost kind of commonplace whenever we're dealing with characters that are dealing with mental health issues that at some point we're going to get a little fake out. Like, was it all in their head? So I don't think that was as surprising. But uh, Vinny, what did you think of the sequence? in the psych ward uh did you freeze frame anything to sort of see or look out for little easter eggs what did you notice and uh yeah just what did you think and uh, what do you think it means so i think the biggest easter egg that i caught i don't know if either of you noticed it but did you guys recognize who was leading the bingo game yes i said crawley yeah Oh, you did? Okay, sorry. Yes. I, I must have missed you saying that. Yeah, no worries. I, lo- I saw that part, and I love that. Um, so as we start, as we finish watching Moon Knight and start watching Moon Knight Interrupted, as I like to think of this segment. Um, oh, yes. I, I loved it. I This was probably my favorite part of the episode, because anytime reality distortion comes into play or there is a mental battle between an antagonist and protagonist in which reality is being distorted – Sometimes it's it's very hard and sometimes it's very easy to tell when something is fake or not. I will be honest, I immediately had the instinct that this was all fake when it first started. I was like, oh yeah, this is Harrow doing Harrow shit. He's creating some kind of alternate reality because as we know, Harrow dictates reality to his followers. He basically tells them, like, this is how it is, this is what it is, and, and they believe him and are, are warped into his viewpoint. So, but... The more that this scene played out and the more that we kind of saw, I started to develop my own little theory. And that theory is that it's not necessarily Harrow that's doing this, but maybe it's Mark. Okay. Because I, I like I said, when we first started podcasting, I, I didn't know too much about Moon Knight before this show. And I never really went out of my way to read the comics, but I had friends that did. And one of the things that I I did know was that one of the things they touched on in the comics is that Mark has a special ability to kind of just like Harrow can kind of make his followers see things a certain way. Mark has an ability to, I don't know if distorting reality is the right word, but he has the ability to handle things when it comes to his reality in a very special way. And I I don't, I didn't remember the specifics, but I, I know there was a whole run of comics where like they dive into his history. And I think this segment that we see is based off of that. It's called the Lemire and I think Smallwood run. Um, I had like five minutes to glance if that was the name before we started casting because I wanted to see if I was in any way right. And I, I didn't read in depth because I didn't want to bias myself. But that that run does take place in an insane asylum. And I think that they are drawing from that. Um, 
And I don't know much more about the run except for that one of the concepts that my friends had mentioned to me years ago, which is what I remember to let me to look up that run, is that this could be him trying to throw Harrow for a loop by fighting with this special ability of his DID and how he handles it. So I would like to think, with all that being said, that maybe we're seeing inside of Mark's mind. And there's a battle that's about to take place within Mark's mind. Not the asylum, but at the very end when the the two of them are there. Uh, I'm hoping that maybe we're going to get to see inside of uh, Mike. Uh, I can't. I always do that. Every podcast, I butcher someone's name, and then we end up calling them that by accident. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm kind of hoping that maybe... Other, we should call his other personality that we don't know about Mike now. There you go. Well, there no, you it's go. Jake. <laughs> it's <We> Jake. Know, <laughs> but uh, there was a moment of inception, is what I kind of get from it, is that, you know, one minute he's in Harrow's, Dr. Harrow's office... And then, like, the next minute, he's coming out of a sarcophagus. And that's the moment where I almost feel like we have now moved the battle into the psyche. And mm. I'll be curious to see how that plays out. And I th- that's my way of justifying how we're seeing Mark and Steven sitting side by side. Because I almost wonder, is there now going to be a fourth coming out? Or is there something else going on? This is what happens when they're all unconscious. Okay. That's interesting. I do feel like Mark is in control in the situation. I would not be surprised if this is all in his mind versus actually physically being in in a, in a in there, you know, being transported there. What I'm kind of intrigued by is is this Mark's doing or is this a doing of the gods? Because Tawaret being there is interesting. And not only is she there, but she's mm-hmm. there in her god form you know in all her hippo hippo glory uh so i got my wish yes so i wonder if not that she's in control but like i wonder if the gods are in control and somehow this is a place to help mark because this is what i think not to sort of jump ahead into theories of what's to come in the next two episodes because i do have a question about that to be able to sort of really get my analysis of what we saw i kind of have to dip my toe into it i think at the end of whatever this is mark and steven are going to be united i feel like because mark is a person there and steven is a person there they're going to realize that they are people you know they're sharing the same body but it's did multiple personalities they're all their in their own individual person I feel like that's going to be the point. This this area, this place that they're in, they're going to grow an appreciation for each other and that they're going to realize that they are individuals and that they are individuals individually. But if they united as one, they'd be even stronger maybe as the Moon Knights. I also think that's where they're going to find out that they have a third personality, the one that you know they questioned in the previous episode. Well, I didn't do it. You didn't do it. Well, then who did it? It's that person in that uh, sarcophagus that was knocking and y'all ignored. Mm-hmm. So maybe even Tawaret will help them realize that there's a third personality. We will meet that personality. I don't know if that personality is going to be down with the cause of uniting, but I feel like at least Mark and Steven are going to be cool, calm, and copacetic 
at the end of uh, this Legion-ish um, interlude that we are watching right now. At least that's what I think. That's what I hope. And the reason why I'm hoping that is because of everything that happened before. You know, the parts that I bitched about, about Stephen and Mark, you know, and Stephen kind of really being a wanker about the situation. Stephen was like, well, I thought you were going to leave when Conchu, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, first of all, Mark said that he was going to disappear once he finished with everything Conchu needed. He didn't finish everything that Conchu needed. So that's why he's still there. But also, he's a part of you. And you have to recognize that. So I think that's where their journey is going. At least that's where I hope. Because I feel like by the end of this series' run, we have to have a strong Moon Knight if Mark is going to continue to be the Moon Knight. Priscilla. Well, Jeff. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, well, get, there might be a foundation for you and your theory. Oh. Because did you look into Tarot at, at all and what she was the goddess of? I think I read that it's fertility. Uh, close. So Tarot was actually she's mainly a protective figure. Specifically, she defended pregnant women and newborns from anything that threatened them with any kind of danger. Ah. Hmm. Hmm. So she's associated with like the themes of death and rebirth, which is obviously very prevalent in in the entire. Egyptian pantheon so we could maybe see some kind of a rebirth from them becoming the United Psyche or something alright I like it I won't have a special sound effect but if I'm right that would be exciting yes I'll play it for you if you are okay sounds good Priscilla I want to get your take on on yeah what we saw here I mean you loved Legion You, you know we podcasted about it uh, what did you think of all the legion goodness that we saw here? Did you notice anything? Uh, we didn't really mention the Moon Knight action figure, which I thought was fantastic. Um, we had a little glimpse of Turkish Delight, much to both of your chagrins. Blech. Yes. Blech. Priscilla, talk to me about it. I, the fact that it had like the slightly manic girlfriend in the, in the asylum with him, the fact that it was somebody in an asylum but he's not all lost about why he's there he's he's mostly like drugged out the way david was in legion like i feel like they borrowed a ton from legion to frame this but, but in a I good also, way right yeah i i this flipped the script for me because i loved the scenes where they were in the in the tomb but the parts at the beginning of the episode, I really didn't like. So I was, like, kind of yo-yoing about this episode, being like, is this going to be another six for me? But but no, like, this completely blew me out of the water. I was like, what is going on here? And then I remembered that a couple of um, Moon Knight issues are exactly like this, where he kind of goes into his own fantasies and creates this entire like world where he's doing things that aren't really there, but somehow they're affecting the real world at the same time. So that's exactly what Vinny was talking about. So I think he's, he's trying to 
cope. He's trying to cope with what's been going on with his death. But Tawaret being there means he's thinking he he's gonna unite and rebirth. So all of your theories, I love them and I completely co-sign with them. As soon as I saw Tawaret, I was like, "Got it's a rebirth. Got it's a rebirth." I know that that this 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 dude is gonna come back to life. I know it. I My it. initial reaction was like, "Ooh, girl, there'll be a hippo up in this joint." It's a big hippo. She's a big hippo, I should say. Yeah, yeah. She's got a really friendly voice, doesn't she? She did. She was an adorable hippo. I don't know why they screamed Hi. at her. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they screamed at her. But I guess that's what happens when you see a hippo walking on two legs and. You know, full. I would assume after having, I, I would assume after after seeing like their god, like the moon knight, the the moon knight god. Uh, I forgot what his name is. Kanchu. Kanchu, yes. After seeing Kanchu, anything that's friendly or that's like animal related would be a little bit easier right? to grasp. I but... mean, it's not like it's a crocodile lady. I would scream at the crocodile lady, not the cute little hippo lady. <laughs> Exactly. And she wasn't skeletal like Hanshu. I mean, she was friendly looking. I mean, I, I had to, I found, yeah, like, I, I honestly, I, I think it would have been funny if their reaction was more of like, oh, shit, because like now the gods are getting involved and they haven't had the best experience with them. The screaming was a little bit weird, but it was still funny. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Uh, yeah. And just imagine it's Oscar Isaac having to scream twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, separately at different times, and also there was no hippopotamus there, so uh, you know, somebody in motion feel... capture costume screaming. I also yeah. feel like they they probably like asked the people who like set up Orphan Black, like how did they get like <laughs> screenshots or something like that? Because the hug they had to was epic. It looked so good yeah. between Mark and Steven. Like it, it, it and it yeah. flowed It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I have now that you say that, and since I'm rewatching Orphan Black, like you're right. Like it's very hard to get those scenes and have them not look very clearly. Like it's two screens edited together. It was seamless. Yeah, and listeners, if you're enjoying two Oscar Isaacs on your screen, get ready for three. Maybe next week. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that third sarcophagus. I mean, that, that's gonna open. I feel it. Mm-hmm. I feel it. Yes. Uh, quick little notes for for us and for the listeners. The directors of this episode are the same directors from episode two. But if you really enjoy this episode, this could be a little bit of a taste of what we're gonna see in Loki season two because they are directing a bunch of the episodes. Okay. Yes. All right. So before I ask, well no, let me ask let me ask first did I miss anything and then I'm going to ask for theories. So first off, did I miss anything? A tiny little moment that either of you would like to chat about before I ask you another big question. I think the only thing that I want to touch on is we got a, I mean, we already kind of knew that Harrow is after his end goal with utter ambition and determination, but we really got to see this other side of, which we already knew was there, but Harrow's disciple getting gutted 
right? Like, he was allowed to be gutted by, I think it was the Hecker priest that did it? Yes. And it's like, oh, so you're supposed to be this guy that's, like, taking care of all these people, and you're so... It, it was literally a really great little Easter egg on the reality of what a cult leader is all about. They present one thing, but underneath of it all, they will do anything, and anyone that is in their cult is expendable to them and doesn't matter. I thought that was a really nice little in that they had. Oh, yeah, 100%. Especially if that sacrifice, you know, gets him to his end goal. Mm-hmm. He does not care. Yeah. Okay, so we are headed into the final arc of uh, Moon Knight. You know, as you know, as we've seen before with previous six episode Marvel series on Disney Plus, you know, we usually have an opening act, the first two episodes, we have a middle act with the middle two episodes, and then we have the end act with the final two episodes. Do we have any predictions as to what's to come? I know that we kind of touched on predictions a little bit, but is there a prediction of something that we haven't said yet? Or are there any hopes and dreams and wishes of what we hope to see before the series ends? A a bold prediction on how the series is going to end? Is it weird that after seeing Mela fight, I kind of want to see what she'd look like with the Moon Knight costume on? Like, I'd like to see her take on the mantle. But I know we're not going to get it this season. But it's just like a wish to see at some point. That would be cool. All right. Any other predictions, hopes, dreams? I have two. Uh, The first one is a prediction, and and we've kind of touched on this before, but I do believe that we are going to get to see Jake. I I think that there has been enough hinting and foreshadowing, and this sarcophagus is like, as you talked about, we're we're entering into that third act, and every... I mean, granted, I never watched Hawkeye. I didn't watch Witcher Soldier because I, I didn't care. Uh, I know, I'm a horrible person. Uh, but, yes, uh, you are. I, know. I will watch it. Hawkeye. I will watch Hawkeye. I just haven't yet, but not Winter Soldier. Uh, I expect that this is going to be the batshit crazy period. Like, going all the way back to WandaVision and Loki, this is where we start to get the rug pulled out from under us. They pull out all of the stops and they kind of go big or go home. Now, knowing that this has been announced as nothing more than a limited series with not getting a season two as of now, uh, this is their opportunity to really blow our expectations out of the water. And as you listeners know, I have been the grudgy judge for the past, I think, two weeks after really loving the first episode. I kind of fell by the wayside with the last two, but they have reeled me in. And if this is where we are headed for things about to blow up, I'm here for it. And I think that Jake is going to be a big part of that. I think that he is going to be a chance for Isaacs to play a psychotic asshole. I'm kind of, I, I, I want to see it happen. My second is a wish. And that wish is, I'm sorry, my, my second is a prediction. And my prediction is that he's going to die or the mantle is going to be passed on. So Priscilla, it's funny that you led with that because I, I would be interested to see if Isaacs continues with Moon Knight in the MCU, but from what we've been kind of, what's been announced is that it's not really planned necessarily. So 
I'm beginning to get intrigued by the world of Moon Knight, not so much the Moon Knight character. There's a lot of potential. I would love to see it continue. So I predict that either there's going to be a passing on of the mantle or there's going to be some kind of Easter egg or hint or foreshadowing dropped about where the Moon Knight will go from here as it pertains to the rest of the universe, because we know all these shows are generally tied together in some way. I would be curious to see if they do it, what that may be. All right. Interesting theories. So I pretty much gave one of mine away. Like, I think at the end of it all, we're going to have a united Moon Knight. Um, And so my theory is not going along with the theory that he's going to die. I I do think we'll, we'll have a sort of a united Moon Knight moving forward stronger than ever. Here's what I think as far as how everything ends. I mean, clearly Harrow is going to be stopped. I don't know if Amit's going to be stopped. I feel like we have to see Amit. I want to see the crocodile lady. And just point of personal privilege, I would love it once she gets resurrected to be like, oh, thank you. You're the one that resurrected me? Ooh, my first snack. And she bites Harrow's head off. Like, I just, I think yes. that would be spectacular. Uh, what else? So I think we're going to have a United Moon Knight at the end of this. I honestly think that the reason why they keep on saying it's a limited series, and uh, even though there is a there is a quote out there from Kevin Feige that says, you know, there could be multiple seasons of shows like Moon Knight and Ms. Marvel, but not something like WandaVision, I think Moon Knight is going to be like Falcon and the Winter Soldier in the sense that Falcon and the Winter Soldier was a prologue for Anthony Mackie being the new Captain America. Spoiler alert for Vinny that didn't watch the series. But, um, <laughs> so I think Moon Knight could end up jumping to the big screen. And, you know, Oscar Isaac, not Isaacs, as Vinny likes to say. I find it adorable. There I, I go, of, butchering names. Because you think of Jason Isaacs. And so I damn it. you say Isaacs, and it, it, you know. Yep. But Isaac, there's only one, even though there are two on the screen. I think they could turn this into a film franchise. The problem is, when would it be penciled in? I feel like the slate for Marvel is kind of full at the moment when it comes to the big screen. And I don't know if Marvel will ever get to the point to where they do like an HBO Max situation where, you know, there are DC comic book personalities that are on the big screen and also being filmed for direct to uh, HBO Max type of situation. But yeah, like I could see this being a setup for Moon Knight on the big screen. Maybe that's why they've been sort of keeping it hush-hush. I mean, they sort of kept things hush-hush in regards to uh, Anthony Mackie portraying Captain America on the big screen. And then once Falcon and the Winter Soldier ended, or as it was rebranded with the closing credits of the uh, final episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it said Captain America and the Winter Soldier. A couple weeks after that, it was announced that Anthony Mackie will be starring in a brand new Captain America movie. So maybe they might be waiting to do that. I don't know, but uh, I would like to see more of Oscar Isaac 
as this character, especially a unified character that might be stronger than ever now that he, he'll have corralled all of his uh, personalities and, you know, they're all on the same page. Although the concept of Layla being the Moon Knight might be interesting, I still like Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight, so that's my hope. All right. Well, we're at that point. It's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Let's see. I don't remember who I picked first last time, so I apologize if I'm picking the same person again. Um, let's why don't start... you go first? Oh. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. All right. The episode had a twist, yeah, and so we I get a twist. Thank you. We get a twist with the MVP. Uh, okay. Um, well, for the amount of badassery in this episode, I have to give it to Layla. She was fantastic. You know, even though we kind of sort of slightly dissed the scene at the beginning, I mean, she was still a badass. And then her with the Hecka priest, spectacular. It was like a horror movie, you know, in the middle of the moon night, fantastic or under the moon night. It was beautiful. And then the emotional stuff, her with Harrow. And then the confrontation with Mark. It was just brilliantly played. I really enjoyed Layla in this episode. I feel like I can say this collectively, that we all enjoyed Layla in this episode. Uh, I would not be surprised if she was also on both of your lists for MVP or potential MVP. So uh, since, thank you, Vinny, I got the chance to go first. I Mm -hmm. will pick her as my MVP. Yes. So, Vinny, since you brought it up, you get to go next. <laughs> Who's your MVP? Mm, it has been a tie for me. Layla was my second. Uh, my first was tied between two, and I think I'm going to have to go with Mark. Uh, he hasn't been my favorite uh, throughout the first three episodes, and you know, I made comments about how he, he didn't really have a lot going on for him, and he was kind of like a douchey character, but... It's amazing what a little exposition and background can do for a character. We really saw Isaac shine in this episode. There you go, Jeff. Uh, (laughs) Singular. (laughs) He really brought it out. Mark didn't, I feel like, have a lot of screen time in this episode, but what was there was weighty. We really got the impact of his struggle with holding the truth from Layla, his battle with Steven. We got an insight into his psyche Rather than coming across as a machismo, know-it-all douche, he came across as someone who was truly desperate to protect those that he cares about. And I really walked away from this episode. He may not want to admit it, but he cares about Stephen. And not just out of selfishness because they share the same vessel, but I think he's come to grudgingly respect Stephen. And I think that we saw that a little bit with when he said, well, that was unexpected that you told her the truth. It's like he's really starting to see Stephen as someone where Mark is the physical strength more than the emotional. Stephen is the emotional strength. And the actor did a bang-up job portraying this and all of the emotional scenes with Layla. It was just really, really phenomenally acted, and he has to be my number one. All right. A little bit of a twist and a turn for Vinny Hatcher. I like it. Mm -hmm. Priscilla, what about you? Who's your MVP and why? This is going to sound really weird, but I'm going to go with the Hecker Priest 
because oh, that right. acting was fucking. I almost did. Big. It was just like it was almost Silent Hilly and how like I don't know how he twitched slightly like the monsters do there. Oh, like the nurses, yeah. Cool. And the little and and the grab at the end was just a a master stroke of horror. It was beautiful. So definitely the heck of priest. You know what? I actually approve. Yes, props to whoever was whomever was in that suit because they did a great job. But Very you also nice. know that I really wanted to pick Donna. That's so funny. I was so happy she was back, even for like a split second. All right. So it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode? Oh, I can't believe it. Donna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just give her her pills. Yes. Oh, just a really quick thing. Those gorgeous cupcakes from the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look like the cupcakes from a bakery that I that I get somewhere around here. Oh, you They look like Koi's cupcakes. Shout out Did to you Corey. guys get the correlation though? No. What is Didn't the Did you drive a cupcake truck yeah, in the first, the first episode? episode? Oh, yeah, those are the same I cupcakes. Wow. But those cupcakes look they looked gorgeous in the first episode, and they looked even better in this one. Yes, tasty. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway, and now I want a cupcake. All right, it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 crescent moons? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it. The coveted golden crescent moon. Priscilla, you're first. I'm not going to give it a 10 as much as I want to for that ending and the heck of priest. I, I just, I hated the kiss. I was like, this, this is a very sloppy kiss. And I hated the beginning, the intro, and I hated the fight sequence with the car. I thought it was just hackneyed and lame. So I'm going to give it, it's hard because I want to give it an eight point five or a nine, but I'm not. I, I'm I'm waffling between the two. A nine. I'll go with a nine. All right, that must have been a good waffle because you made it all the way to a nine. Okay, so we're starting off strong with a nine. Vinny, what about you? How would you rate this episode? Well, goddamn, I thought I wasn't going to be the grudgy judge this time around, because I'm going with an 8, but I guess I am. (laughs) So, I won't rehash everything that Priscilla said. All the points that she just touched on were the reasons that I detract down from 10. There there were a lot of things that could have been done better um, with the beginning, and, you know, some of the things that we've already hashed a few times that I won't revisit. But my main reason for not going higher is this is two episodes left. And I love the first episode. The previous two episodes were kind of an eh for me. And there was that big law. And I'm hopeful. If I'm looking at this episode by itself, I would say probably a nine and a half, a ten. But in looking at the overall story and the progression and the development of the characters and all, I think it's a solid eight. I don't think that it's ready to be a ten yet because we're still suffering from things that happened in past episodes. And... I think that it's headed in the right direction, but I do think the things that we've talked about for this episode that we didn't enjoy or could have been better, deserving of an eight. 
when you look at the whole thing together. All right. Then he's like, if I'm looking at this episode by itself, it's nine and a half, ten. But we are looking at this episode by itself. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay. you're giving yourself uh, yeah. your own stipulations. I plead the fifth. All right. All right. I will give it a nine. I will. I will up it to a nine, and I will. I will stick with Priscilla on the nine island. Okay. And I'll bump it up. To a, I'll bump it up to a nine and a half. So I'm on the mountain on the nine island. Um, I'm just a little higher than both of you. <laughs> but yeah, for me, it's a nine and a half. It was fantastic. I co-sign every bit of the little quibbles that both of you had because I had the quibbles as well. You know, I had the quibbles at the start of the episode. I took a pill and I no longer have the quibbles because the rest of the episode was fantastic, spectacular. The tomb, the Hecapris. The Harrow, the uh, the Psych Ward, and the Hippo of it all. It was just fantastic. Brilliant. I mean, even that horribly cheesy, uh, what was it called? It wasn't called Tomb Raiders. Was it Tomb Raiders? No, like, they couldn't call it Tomb Raiders, but it was Tomb something. Um, tomb Searchers, whatever the hell it was called. Uh, it, it was just brilliant. Like, everything was fantastic. You know, once we got past... A little bit in the beginning, which it was in the beginning, so I can overlook it because everything else was so much fun. It was a little spooky. It was a little adventure-y. Um, you know, I had sort of like that childish glee that Stephen had. Oh, my God, the wonderment of it all. Like, I had that myself because it was quite the adventure, this episode. And then the end was... A complete mind fuck in the best way possible. So a nine and a half from me. And on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative, Moon Knight. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, Moon Knight and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Vinny. Good evening, and we will see you in the darkness of a Mets embrace. Hopefully. And Priscilla. Eat a cupcake for us, why don't you? Bye, everybody! Could you imagine a cupcake with a little piece of Turkish delight on it? Why did you have to go and ruin it? I'd eat it. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the Avengers Initiative Moon Knight via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. New episodes release every Friday. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Good night. Good moon night.